That's outstanding. Like a farmer in his field. What we're really talking about is the ontological nature of indirect sales. I gotta think up some more big words like portmanteau and harbinger. We're really not talking about selling a product, but an idea. Carry on, James. Carry on. All right. It's time for another edition of the Channel Futures Podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. And it's not just another edition, is it, James? No. No, you people know what one this one is. It's 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 the pre-show edition. Nailed it. I'm Channel Features Editorial Director Craig Galbraith. Joining me as always, our senior news editor. Mr. Anderson. Mr. James Anderson. James, we saw the glasses. You're looking very cerebral. How are you? Yep, Craig, feeling nice and protected from blue light that's uh, poised to savage my still developing frontal lobe. So feeling good about that. How, how are you, Craig? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's good for you uh, young whippersnappers to be protecting uh, all that kind of stuff. Old guys mm-hmm. like me, we don't even, you know, we don't even have to worry about it anymore. We're past, we're past our prime. You fought that fight. <laughs> That's right. All right, uh, James, let's talk about the, the podcast coming up. I'm really excited. We're going to have uh, Jay McBain, chief uh, analyst from Canalis, now a colleague of ours ever since the acquisition last fall. You know, nobody knows channel better than that guy. So so why not bring him on and, and talk a little bit about the upcoming event, as well as uh, our new relationship with Canalis. Uh, again, now that we're colleagues, all kinds of good stuff with Jay coming up. So uh, looking forward to that. But my friend, uh, let's start off with uh, with a game. What, what do you okay. think? We don't usually yeah. start off with a game, but I'm going to start off with one. Love games. I love that you aren't like going to kill me with the anticipation. Let's do it. Yeah. Now, I was a little lazy with this one because it wasn't like uh, I didn't have to go into the game lab. It's basically sure. just a question. It's not sure. even a game. Uh, but I, you know, yeah, I you didn't, you, you, you didn't need high security game lab clearance for this game. No, not at all. So here it is. I'm going to give you a list of names very simply. And you tell me which doesn't belong. Remember they used to do this on like Sesame Street a lot. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Like Inductive yeah. reasoning. Deductive. Re- I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down for it. Okay. All right. Here we go. So here are the names. Scan source CEO, Mike Bauer. Uh-huh. Channel Futures Influencer of the Year, Chris Jones of AT&T. Yeah, yep, yep. Max mm-hmm. 8 Chief Strategy Officer, Ryan Walsh. Uh-huh. Tolaris mm-hmm. CEO, Adam Edwards. Oh, yeah. Channel yeah. Futures Senior Editor, James Anderson. Uh-huh. Channel Futures Editorial Director, Craig Galbraith. And the King of England. Which of these is not like the other? I think I've got this one, Craig. I don't think you can get me here because there's actually you did this. You, you play your word games on me. There's actually two that don't belong, and that's you and me because the rest of the people on that list are very smart, not us. <laughs> yeah, that that is. Uh, I think you actually got it right, but that's not what I was was going for. Uh, the answer actually is uh, King Charles of oh. England, as he is the only one on that list, at least that I know of who will not be speaking at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo. Yeah, you know, it's a shame because I he manages the English channel, right? 
<laughs> oh, very well done. Very well done. I like that. Well, uh, I, I, uh, that makes sense, Craig. You, you're basically implying right now that you and I are going to be on stage, which we're on stage a lot, right? It's a lot, a lot of times. We are, and we'll talk about that with Jay a little bit, is that I think he's got five different sessions, whether keynotes or conference sessions. Uh, but you and I are going to give him a, a run for his money because I, I think we're we're up there. I don't know if it counts since we're actually employees and, and Jay is an employee now. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be like five or six for us. So uh, people are going to be seeing us uh, all over the place, no matter whether they like it or not. Yeah. With, with Craig, it being the... Uh... The pre-show edition, Craig, I guess this would be the last time for us to address our loyal casties and let them know what the agenda must-sees are. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So much uh, there, James. Uh, let's maybe just do a quick rundown of some agenda sure. highlights. Yep. We'll yep. start with Monday, March 11th. Uh, seems like a good place to start since that's the first day of the event. Uh, I just, you know, if I go chronologically, it's, it's better for my brain. Uh, we've got a full day dedicated to the MSP Summit portion of the event uh, on March 11th. The aforementioned canalist Jay McBain getting us going with his channel Outlook and Opportunities, uh, followed by a panel that he is leading on AI, James. That's uh, artificial intelligence, uh, just in case you weren't familiar with the uh, nomenclature. Uh, yeah. Yeah, then we're going to get into a couple of discussions around cyber, cybersecurity, including mm -hmm. a keynote from CEO Danny Jenkins of ThreatLocker. Right, that guy knows his security. In fact, this week, uh, they're down there in Florida. Uh, our good buddy colleague, Edward Gailey, is down there covering the ThreatLocker event in, yeah. in Florida. So uh, good stuff coming up from Danny. Legends connecting. Yeah. Yeah, And then, uh, Craig, I know you're going to be on stage with uh, this brand new Newsmaker interview series segment. You're going to be talking with channel leader Michelle Ragusa McBain of SonicWall. I think she has uh, some connections to that Jay McBain guy you were talking about a little bit ago. I think so. That's one superstar channel power couple, James. I mean, they be, may be the number one. Truly, that is... Definitely the next like ed editorial project we should be doing. But yes, Craig, what uh, what's the Newsmaker series all about? What's, what's the idea behind it? Yeah, so uh, a bunch of us, uh, our colleagues here at Channel Features are going to be on stage. I got a few of these. I, I can't remember. You're doing so many things. I don't know if you've got one of these or not, James. But yeah, they're, they're 10 minute. They're, they're 10 minute on stage interviews that we've got sprinkled throughout the event. Uh, I've got not only uh, Michelle McBain, but Align Managed Services President Bernard Paul, uh, Chris Jones of AT&T, who, who I mentioned earlier, and T-Mobile Senior Vice President George Fisher. So honestly, through and through, and we always say this, we always do, but this will be the greatest lineup of speakers we've ever had. But it's legit. Yeah. It's, not just, uh, it's not just saying this. We just keep improving this show. We've got more attendees, more vendors, more distributors attending. More partners, of course, and, and that attracts uh, more of these big names uh, to the show. So uh, what, what else are you eyeballing there, my friend? Yeah, no, I, and I, first off, I agree. Like, I think I do see an incremental improvement each year in, in the panels and the names on the panel. And while at the same time, you're going up in, in terms of bringing in more and more influential vendor people and distributor people, uh, we're also seeing those channel the partner leaders there as well. So yeah, they're still staying solid. grounded. They're not getting a big head with this event. 
by keeping you and me on stage. It's it's really right. right. <laughs> yeah, there's it keeps, that keeps everybody uh, from it. Yeah. So I um I share more from the MSP Summit from Monday, Craig. Um, yep. MSP Toolkit CEO Len Costanza. You'll know him. The, you'll know him as the guy that looks like Robert De Niro. Um, back with his <laughs> series of MSP workshops. People will people will know that reference. Uh, this time, <laughs> it's a compliment through and through. This time, this uh, the segment's going to feature discussions on AI and getting the business geek on with the importance of EBITDA. No doubt you've heard of that acronym and more. Oh yeah, everything but is the no. Yes, uh, yeah, you no. were there. You were pretty much there. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but is the darn, darn acronym. Acronym. <laughs> <laughs> Some good stuff there. Good stuff there from Lan. He certainly knows his, his stuff. One of the premier uh, leaders in terms of the MSP knowledge. So, uh, you know, good business lessons to come from that EBITDA session as well. Uh, so, James, also throughout the event, well, we should talk about these expert panels and I put quote expert in quotes, you and I clearly are not going to be involved in these, uh, which is, is a good thing. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the state of the channel uh, with leaders from Cisco, Lumen and Zoom, for instance, and another, we've got leaders from uh, tech services distributors discussing uh, the evolving TSD business model, which is something uh, I know that you have followed for a number of years now. Very fun one. Excited to see our partner friend, David Wright, moderate that one. Got all the heads of states on there, Craig. Very exciting. Absolutely. Uh, Craig, we could mention a small change to the Expo Hall this year, just as people kind of plan their, their event. Um, it's going to be open longer. We're going to have an hour and a half of bonus time on Tuesday, open from 2.30 to 7. Uh, normally 4 to 7 has been our usual hours. And we've expanded Wednesday's hours, too, as the hall is open from 2 to 6.30. Uh, so more time for making those connections with vendors and what's going to be another massive collection of booths. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. We just had our staff call telling us about everything that was going on uh, with the event this year. So excited oh, for yeah. Loyal Casties and, and the rest of the partner audience out there to come check it out this year. It, it's yeah. on. Yeah, oh, it's on for sure. So much more we could talk about, uh, James, but our, our casties uh, will unfortunately have to go to the agenda page on the Channel Partners Conference and Expo website for more. Lots to talk about, lots to talk about. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's going to be a good time, Craig. But in the meantime, uh, we've, we've mentioned his name three or four times. Should we bring up our next guest? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I don't think we need to really even set him up that much, do you? I mean, everybody no. knows Jay McBain from Canalis. Let's yep. uh, let's do it. Come on. It's the Jay Meister. All right, James, really pleased to welcome in Chief Analyst from Canalis, channel extraordinaire expert Jay McBain. Jay, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, this is, I believe, your third appearance on the podcast. And we've been doing this podcast for a long time. And you think, you know, a third maybe isn't that many, but that's actually tying a record uh, with John Delosier, someone you know very well. So congratulations. I know that JD is going to be coming back to us and saying, hey, I got to beat that Jay. You got to get me back on. So uh, thanks for being here. Uh, you know, Saturday Night Live, when you do it the fifth time, you get a robe. So you guys yeah, got to start right. planning on what the, the, the fifth time robe is going to look like. Yeah, we, we better start uh, thinking about that. Uh, a couple more years, so you might get up to five. 
so Jay, let's talk about, uh, you're going to be all over uh, the stage at uh, Channel Partners Conference and Expo coming up here pretty soon. And uh, first of all, I think it's worth uh, bringing up for those in our audience who haven't been paying close attention that Canalis and Channel Futures via an acquisition by our parent company, Informatech, are now linked. We're part of the same company. We are colleagues. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, maybe from your perspective, talk a little bit about how the combined research and media audience uh, of our two entities are going to benefit from us uh, joining forces. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not to mention, a few weeks ago, we added Tech Target as well. So later this year, uh, many different layers to this. But in what I study, which I call the 14 spheres of influence or what surrounds us by influence, you know, we, we read magazines, we listen to podcasts like this one, we go to the events like the biggest one in the world, Channel Partner Expo. Uh, but there's so many things we do every day to get smart. A year ago today, we had all get smart about Gen AI really quickly. And if you ask, you know, 10 million of us, what did you read? Where did you go? What did you listen to? Who did you follow? It all comes down to about a thousand places. And what's happening under Informa is some of the most powerful places that you would have learned about Gen AI are all coming together as one family. And it's not just one plus one, it's one plus one equals three, as that can be delivered, you know, in a better podcast like this one. It can be delivered in a better event. It can be delivered in a better analyst inquiry for 30 minutes. And, and if we can learn from each other and again, uh, in a good partnership fashion, deliver more to our customers. That's what, you know, smarter and richer people than us are, are putting together. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited. That's well said, Jay. And I think we'll, we're going to try to highlight some of those different layers at the show um, in a couple weeks. And I think it's a, a speaking of record podcast appearances, it's going to be a record amount of, you know, one company, one group, uh, appearing in sessions and stuff. So I think we've, we're up to five uh, that um, keynotes and breakout sessions that Canalis is going to be part of. And we did want to hit That's on just one. Jay, James. Don't forget we got Alistair who's right. in three or four sessions too. So we're going to yeah. have these guys all over the place. Well, Jay's got a crew, you know. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's talk about one of these kind of headliner panels that you're going to be in, Jay, and that's the one about AI. Um, basically, you know, framed as a debate um, with the question, will AI live up to its hype or will it fizzle? Uh, sometimes I say sizzle because um, I get that word wrong. Um, but talk, talk to me about, uh, you know, how are you going to approach that debate? Is there a side you're going to take? Um, what are you thinking about the channel opportunity for AI? Yeah, so Canalis is Latin for channel. Uh, so we always take a kind of a partner first answer. And so we went and asked 20,000 partners what they think. And it was kind of interesting because we asked them in 2018 and we asked them again, you know, right in the frenzy, you know, of, of last March. And it was interesting that about a third of partners are, you know, pretty, uh, pretty um, calm about the situation and, and they're going to kind of play a laggard role maybe a late majority role. So they've watched other emerging tech categories, like, you know, 10 years ago, that IOT moment, even last year, the, the rush around metaverse. And, and they've been through dozens of these emerging techs. And, you know, they're, they're not interested in jumping in first. They'll let it play out a little bit. They'll let it, you know, some of the numbers that we're predicting play out, and then they'll jump in at the right time. The next third 
are cautiously optimistic, but again, they're not ready to be an early adopter. Maybe they'll join at that top of the bell curve, the early majority going into late majority. But again, two thirds of our entire global partner audience, millions upon millions of people are, you know, cautiously optimistic or, you know, ready to, uh, you know, let things play out in front of them. And then from 2018 till now, we've seen a bump in the people excited. But again, it, it, it's, it's not a, an audience that's lining up, you know, for a Black Friday event here ready for the doors to open. So I, I give credit to the channel that, you know, while a lot of people are seeing the inside opportunity, rethinking their sales and marketing and customer success, their invoicing, their billing, their ticket, you know, how to outcompete uh, their market by leveraging generative AI, they're seeing opportunities. Like we think it's $158 billion in services by 2028, you know, to consult and design and architect, to implement, integrate. You know, while, while all these things are going on, you know, no one's ready to shut down their agent business, shut down their managed services business and just go run full on in, uh, you know, to this opportunity. So, again, I give a lot of credit to the channel. So, Jay, despite uh, those numbers we're seeing, I mean, over the past year or so, every event you go to that has any channel connection, we're seeing AI, AI all over it, right? I mean, we're seeing that as well in, in our show. What, what do you where do you see the the disconnect there maybe just is it what you pointed out is it's always sort of been that way in the channel i mean you could even look at cloud uh mm -hmm. 10 years ago in that way well i think on, on the vendor side there's riches in generative ai in valuation and you know i remember I, I sold pcs for 17 years we used to have a little gamer video chip that we used to sell uh for five dollars you know to people who wanted to play particular games no one had ever heard of the company uh, named NVIDIA, who last week became the third most valuable company in the world. So just Microsoft and Apple at $3 trillion are valued more than this little video game chip company from years back. So talk about having generative AI as a material part of the value of your company. And remember in capitalism, all we do when we run companies is serve our shareholders. All the other stuff is nice to have. The need to have is shareholder value. So if, if I'm a traditional you know, PC company, a server company, a software company, I don't care what angle of this $5 trillion industry you're coming from. If I can get better branded with generative AI and be one of those you know, foundational layers to it, you know, hopefully investors will recognize that and our shareholders will be you know, rewarded handsomely for that. So yes, 270 events this year that we've been tracking with generative AI as the keynote. I would just say, I mean, from what I'm seeing from maybe partially the MSP side, but more so the, the agent side is all these vendors are coming to them with largely, in some cases, at least as of at the beginning of last year, the same product, um, which already had machine learning and saying, it's now generative AI. Now those platforms have evolved pretty quickly um, in terms of like on the contact center customer experience side, like that is evolving, but you know, there's that element of AI is a great opportunity to now sell our platform versus um, go in and be the partner that is doing the services around AI, doing the consulting around AI. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, you're touching on that there. Like, I think partners are figuring out what exact role that they're going to play, not just in the 
particular type of technology with the type of services they're going to provide around it. Kind of a vague thing to say, but yeah. Yeah, there's a really important nuance to, to AI that I think partners get. Uh, first of all, and you know, when I started my career at IBM, you know, one of the first years I was there, we defeated Gary Kasparov in chess. That was like 1996. And everybody was hailing this as, you know, the, this remarkable moment of, you know, singularity that machines are better than humans now. And it was years later, and, and this got even more popular when Watson at the time at IBM defeated Jeopardy. Here you had Ken Jennings and the best humans at all time. That was a generative AI problem where playing chess is a brute force problem. How fast can you process a game backwards and forwards to the end and back and choose the best move? You know, generative AI is when you have to do a Google search and within you know milliseconds, press the button that you're confident enough that you know the answer. And when Alex Trebek gives you an extra three or four seconds to come up with the question, you get to go read those you know hundreds of pages to get the answer and speak it back as a question. So, but that was, you know, we're, we're talking like 13, 14 years ago as a generative AI problem, but here's the difference. IBM took that product, Watson, and sold it as a product. You know, product A, SKU number A, it solves, you know, nuclear explosions. Product B, it cures cancer. You know, product C, it predicts the weather. They just bought the weather channel for data. And then they skewed up, you know, TD Cynics and Ingram and all the distributors around the world and had a bunch of product salespeople go to sell it as a product. It was never a product. It was never going to be a product. And I think what partners understand today, it's a feature. And so you're not skewing up anything. We're within a year or so that, you know, Microsoft and others trying to sell you Copilot or Salesforce trying to sell you Einstein GPT. It's not going to be a $5 a month thing. It's just going to be the main product getting better. And that's the way 200,000 SaaS companies are looking at it as they're incorporating it today. You know, if you're an MSP, ConnectWise and Kaseya Datto and Enable and Ninja, they're all incorporating this into what you do every year, every day. So when you sell a feature, you know that the services that wrap around it look more like consulting and design and architecture and implementation and integration. You're not running out to a, a tech solutions services distributor or a you know, regular broadline distributor and selling SKUs and adding value to those SKUs. And in that world, the $158 billion by 2028 looks a lot like working in these business problems at your customers, you know, before, during, and after the point they make a decision on, on how they're going to proceed. And that's going to be very different than perhaps selling, you know, people a, a, a VR, AR, MR headset, selling them a beacon that, you know, bolts into the wall. It's going to just look different. And the partners who get that, that nuance are going to be the ones that succeed in this place. Yeah, well said. That was a great take, Jay. So I want to get back to one thing you said uh, a little bit earlier about uh, shareholder value and the, the ultimate importance of that. Um, made me think of uh, the Broadcom VMware situation, how the channel is certainly not too happy of, of where that direction has gone with Broadcom eliminating the traditional VMware partner program. You've commented uh, a lot on this in various analysis. I'm just uh, wondering uh, if you could give your take on that whole situation for our podcast audience here. Yeah, it was one of those LinkedIn posts that I just kind of went off script a little bit and then stopped thinking like a channel person and started thinking like a financial person. 
And, you know, when you do it that way, it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, this morning, they just sold out the VDI kind of edge part of the VMware to a private equity. And so, you know, these things are happening on channel futures as we speak, uh, the comments. But in the end, they bought VMware from Michael Dell and Dell at a certain value and a value multiplier. The value of every revenue dollar that Broadcom gets is about three times that amount. And that's based on Broadcom drives every dollar of revenue at a higher profit level as well. So here's what you do. You bring in, you know, you, you spend $69 billion on an asset. And now if you could bridge the profitability up to what looks like Broadcom revenue, at some point, the stock market is going to give you the valuation of Broadcom for that extra revenue you're bringing in. You know, another $15 billion at a much bigger valuation. So on the front cover of finance and, and wealth management magazines, Broadcom are going to look like superstars. Short-term shareholder value is going to be off the charts, and there's going to be billionaires created in this transaction. Those of us that have been in the channel for me, you know, 30 years, you know, when the book is written, and maybe Craig and James, you'll be the ones that write this book, looking back 10 years, it will be destroying a legacy legendary brand in our in our industry for maybe short-term financial gain. And so by taking things direct, by cutting out SMB, by cutting out a lot of the investments that VMware has been making for years and years and years to become that trusted layer as partners go and talk to customers, this is, you know, it's risky, but I can see the financials in terms of the way they did it. And again, smarter and richer people than us are putting this thing together, not with the channel in mind and not with, you know, even the delight of customers in mind, but there's a, there's a capitalistic ex, you know, like export to this that, um, you know, will solve for what I think their intentions are. Yeah. And, but it gives an opportunity to everyone here in that space, whether it's, you know, virtualization, VDI, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud. I mean, there's now a ton of opportunity for partners to go have these conversations with clients. And the world's going to keep moving and the, the industry is going to keep growing. But just these things remind us at times that we have to, you know, think about all of our relationships. And in life, we, we can't partner up with one vendor too closely. We always have to have a backup. We always have to have a broad view of how we're serving our clients. Well, I love that phrase, uh, the delight of customers uh, in terms of whether that how that factors into this decision to change the way indirect is favored or treated. Um, and I think I, I know that is the thesis of people in the indirect channel that, that they exist because they make customers happy. Um, you know, in other areas of, of the channel, you know, I, I know that you've, you've shared this data about how much indirect sales are growing. They're increasingly spreading out like, can you point to other evidence where the thesis is, and it's being proven out that indirect channels are producing customer delight, that this is, this is winning in the world? Yeah, you know, you can quickly just go and download the Fortune 500 and start with number one, Microsoft, as of two weeks ago, over Apple. But you can include Apple, and you can include every trillion-dollar-valued company, NVIDIA is only a partner-friendly company. It's an OEM. Uh, and all the way down, 
the platforms that win in pharmaceuticals, the platforms that win in banking and insurance and manufacturing, the world economy, $105 trillion is led by partner-friendly ecosystem orchestration companies. That's how it all works. And so there are ways to run cheat codes and go make a buck quicker and have shorter term view than longer term. But if you want to be at the top of the game, if you want to achieve that highest status possible, you have to play the indirect game. And it doesn't mean indirect sales. It just means serving the seven trusted partners today around every one of your customers. I'll give you an example. Salesforce, which is still about 98% direct, they're rocketing on the stock market because people are anticipating their earnings this week. But here's a company that's massive, but still direct, but has 220,000 delighted partners. So there's obviously a $6 multiplier to every dollar that Salesforce sells that can enrich the partner channel, even if you don't sell it. ServiceNow will have 250,000 partners this year for a company that sells direct. So when we say indirect, we're not meaning who collects the money anymore. While marketplaces are growing at 86% compounded, there's evidence that you know, money may move change hands that way, but the 10, 20, 30% of value that the partners add are in private offers. They're still there. And companies recognize this. You know, you don't see companies move into marketplace. You know, in the last few months, you've seen CrowdStrike and Palo Alto, you've seen Snowflake, you've seen Splunk all put out press releases that they're selling a billion dollars now through AWS. Did they go and take the 10, 20, 30% of other value-added margins and put them to the you know, top line like Broadcom did? They didn't. They recognize partners that are there in the first 28 moments before the customer makes a decision. They recognize 30% of those marketplace deals are partners clicking by on behalf of the customer. And they recognize those same seven partners are gonna be there for every 30 days forever, earning you a customer for life. And customers for life is what gives you valuation on the stock market. That's it, that's it. And if you think any there's other any other short-term cheat codes that's gonna create a legendary trillion dollar company, you're wrong, it's never been done. Jay, appreciate your insight today as always. And again, great uh, for you to be one of our colleagues now, looking forward to seeing you at the upcoming Channel Partners Conference and Expo real soon. You can get me one of these shirts, I guess. Look at look how nice those oh, are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Check this out. See, yeah. I'll see what I can do. As, as analysts, all we can afford is T-shirts. So uh, I'm looking forward to upping my, upping my fashion. There here. you go. T-shirt to a polo. James, I'll, I'll get you one, too. We'll get you yes. set up. Thank you. James, what can you say? Uh, just as Jay really needed no introduction, he almost needs no outro. It was a great conversation, uh, particularly the, the stuff about AI. I thought was pretty interesting uh, getting into that with Jay. Yeah, I liked it. As, as the folks say, he's very articulate. And um, there's some nuance there that's uh, helpful for the way that we all talk about the channel. Like, what do you mean when you say indirect? Do you mean indirect sales? Or do you mean something that's a little bit wider than that? So, and I love that... Uh, I mean, sobering re recognition about Broadcom and, and shareholders and proving out that thesis of uh, the power of indirect. 100%, 100%. And uh, I got to say his racing chair that he's got is always cool to have uh, 
on a on a video podcast. I I just I want to ask him though if it's ergonomically correct. It kind of mm. looked like it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like ergonomically good for his body, or ergonomically yeah. reflective of what a race car driver would experience. Uh, I was thinking more about Jay himself and looking out for his health. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, maybe we could do a back study for him at uh, in Vegas. We could we could study his. We could do a little spine study. Yeah, there you go. No, we'll leave the we'll leave the research to the experts. How's that sound? Very good. That's what we do here. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we go, uh, let's talk just a minute about some coverage that we're going to have on Channel Features over the next couple of weeks before our big event. Uh, we've got some travel uh, before we even get on a plane for Vegas. James, as, as we record this, you yourself are about to uh, fly the friendly skies. Where are you going? Good golly, Craig. Yeah, by this time, I'll have been to Clearwater, Florida for the Virtue Connect uh, conference. I may be saying that wrong. But yeah, it's it's interesting company that's evolved from being um, white label UCAS provider to being a company that is working with a variety of telecom and IT service providers in connecting them to MSPs. Um, so really interesting, something I've still been trying to, to wrap my head around, but uh, good perspectives, meeting with people from the vendor community about how they reach MSPs um, for, for their sales. So interesting. Very cool. Kind of a cross-pollination uh, action. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Like yeah. It. What about you, Craig? Well, I'm uh, fortunately... Uh, well, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, but uh, I got a lot of work to do preparing for our event. So I won't be going anywhere until we head to Vegas. But uh, we mentioned Ed Gately from our team. Uh, this week, he's at the Threat Locker event. He's uh, at the Checkpoint event uh, the week of the 4th of March before ours. So he's going to be real road warrior. And we're going to have all of that coverage uh, for you to check out on uh, channelfutures.com. Speaking of channelfutures.com, you can check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James. If you like us on audio, video is not your thing. You know, you look at us, you say, eh. uh, then you can uh, check us out just about anywhere you get your usual podcast. But we're doing the Vim video thing and we host it on Vimeo. Uh, we would appreciate it, however, if you check us out on our flagship news site. That is the aforementioned channel features. Dot com. Thanks so much for joining us for this pre-show edition. We pre can't wait to see you in Las Vegas. Tread carefully and to all a good night.